Cincy Reformed Podcast. Uh, my name is Zach Wise. I'm here with Brandon Burks. We are co-pastors of Westside Reformed Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. It is a United Reformed Church uh, congregation, and we are thrilled that you are with us uh, this week. Uh, we're going to be talking today about Ascension Day. Ascension Day might be something that is unfamiliar uh, to you, I've heard some people call it Ascension Deficit Disorder uh, because there is, it seems, a lack of a reflection and understanding and celebration of the Ascension of Jesus Christ. I've heard some people uh, refer to the Ascension as merely an exclamation point on the uh, resurrection of Christ, as if that's all it is. And uh, we want to explain to you today why the Ascension of Jesus is actually uh, far more important, uh, far more uh, dramatic, uh, far more um, uh, festive events that uh, we celebrate and give God uh, thanks for. Uh, just to begin with one uh, anecdotal um, note, uh, a number of years ago, after one of our uh, earliest Ascension Day uh, services, which, by the way, you are invited to on uh, Thursday, uh, May 26th, uh, 2022 at 6 p.m. Uh, we're having our Ascension Day service. Ascension Day is on a Thursday, and so you can join us for that. It'll be a communion service as well. But uh, anyway, uh, back to the, my story. The One of our uh, members commented to me after the Ascension Day service that it was the first time in, in his life that he actually felt like he understood why the Ascension of Jesus Christ was worth celebrating. He understood why we celebrate Christmas. He understood why we celebrate Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and Pentecost, but he had never understood why the ascension of Jesus Christ was so important. And so it's our hope that in this episode we give you a bit of a taste as to why the ascension of Jesus is of great importance. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin, and Pastor Brandon is going to take us all the way back to begin reflecting upon the ascension of Jesus, we're going to begin in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning of Genesis. So, uh, Brandon, can you maybe uh, introduce us there to why we start to see this theme emerge there in Genesis? Right, yeah. So, uh, God creates Adam and Eve in, in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Ezekiel tells us that it was a mountain. Uh, he calls it the Mountain of Eden. And so here they are on this mountain of Eden, and they were created to have natural religious fellowship with God. And God entered into what uh, people often call a covenant of works. And so the covenant of works was God telling Adam and, uh, Adam and Eve, but it was Adam who was our, who was our representative. And um, Adam was told not to eat of the, the forbidden fruit, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He could eat any tree he wanted, but not that one tree. And he was to keep this command perfectly, exactly, entirely, and um, be perfectly obedient to God's, God's command. Um, Adam could have done it because he was not created sinful. He was not uh, totally depraved or anything like that that happens after the fall. This is, this is pre-fall. This is pre-Genesis 3. Adam could have given this type of obedience, this wholehearted obedience to, to God. And God held out to Adam 
eschatological life, consummate, consummative life. Um, if um, Adam obeyed, he would have advanced beyond probation, beyond the garden, to, to the place that the garden was pointing to, this um, friend-to-friend, face-to-face fellowship with the triune God in uh, personal communion and union. He would have advanced into that. And that was the goal held out to, uh, to Adam. It was, it was the goal held out to humanity in Adam. And um, I think that it's, it's important to note that there was a goal to commune with God in glory. And that was even before the entrance of sin into the world. Even before we needed Christ to die on the cross and, and, and keep the law and all of these things. Even before any of that was in view, there was held out this possibility of, of a friend-to-friend, face-to-face communion with the triune God in glory, consummation. Uh, he would have went from the garden straight to consummation. And um, sadly, that's, that's not what happened. Adam broke the covenant of works. And um, all of humanity fell. And now, in order to to achieve that creational goal, we need a redemptive means. So, Zach, you want to reflect some more, in terms of the book of Genesis still, sure. in, in the book of Genesis, where do we see this kind of mountain yeah. ascent? How do we see that? Yeah, well, when we think about Genesis 3 and the exile of Adam and Eve, we're thinking about them going down. Again, if the garden was a mountaintop place, if the garden was that um, original sanctuary temple up on high, well then what was their exile but going down? Going down from God's uh, abode. Going down and leaving behind with the cherubim at the gate to prevent them from ever walking up to that mountaintop sanctuary uh, ever again. However, even as God sent them out, as you recall, there was a promise of grace and of of life that the Lord gave to Adam and woman. And they began very quickly to to worship at altars. And these altars, as um, biblical uh, scholars have noted, those altars are actually a small miniature version of a mountain. And the animals are then offered up on these miniature mountains as if there's this ascent occurring again of mankind recognizing the promise that God graciously one day will bring mankind back into his mountaintop abode. And not merely back to probation in Eden, but actually, as Brandon mentioned, redemptively, to take us redemptively to that eschatological heavenly goal. We see this happen with the, um, hinted at, I should say, with um, the mountain of Ararat as Noah, who looks like Adam, who smells like Adam, who acts like Adam, comes out of the ark and he's on a mountain, Mount Ararat, and he has to offer up, um, offer up sacrifices. We see the counterpoint to this with the Tower of Babel, where the sinners of the world tried to ascend to God and make a name for themselves with what was called a ziggurat. A, a way of building a mountain, like a pyramid, you could say. 
They would have a, a temple on the top or at the bottom. The idea was that they were ascending to God by themselves, to go up to God, to by their own works, by their own volition and powers, to, to make heaven and earth meet, that they were going to do that, they thought. But God came down and destroyed the, their wicked projects of human works. Uh, we see the, um, the grace of God in action again in Genesis, though, as uh, Abraham took his son Isaac up the mountain in order to offer up a great sacrifice, the only beloved son, but that God provided a sacrifice for Abraham to substitute, to be offered upon the mountain, Mount Moriah, instead. We, we see it with uh, Jacob, as Jacob has a, a vision in the night of a great staircase, a ziggurat in, a, in his dream of angels ascending and descending and God speaking to him and meeting to him there. And Jacob naming the place Bethel, the temple, the house of God. Again, God meeting with his people to commune with his people, even in spite of sin, that God would cross the distance, that God would redemptively uh, bring his people to his uh, heavenly abode, to his mountaintop uh, presence. And so this is hinted at in many ways in the book of Genesis, but I think that in, in Exodus, we begin to see this ascension this mountaintop meeting between God and his people come out even more clearly. So maybe, Brandon, could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so I, mean, I think we see this very clearly, for example, at Mount Sinai, right? So um, Moses meets with, with God at, the, at, at Mount Sinai, um, and it's, it's interesting, you know, as they're meeting in, in, at Mount Sinai, it is very much a holy place. And so God meets with Moses on this mountaintop in a, on Mount Sinai and very much a holy place. In fact, like, you know, even Israel is being warned, you know, nothing unholy can come near this mountain. And there's pure peals of lightning and thunder. And it is this awesome thing that's happening as uh, Moses is there in, in glory. His face is, is even aglow with this glory. And there's, so there's this awesomeness there, but also a, a, a bit of a, a terror as well, because we're getting this law from God. Um, and so obviously the people are realizing they can't keep this law. In fact, as Moses is coming down with the Ten Commandments, everybody's in idolatry, um, worshiping a golden calf that they're calling Yahweh and making an image of God. And it, 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 so, so very clearly... Um, the law cannot be kept. In fact, Moses smashes the first uh, Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. uh, a great picture of what was going to happen over and over and over with sinners. And so he goes back up and God carves uh, with his own uh, hand, as it were, the uh, Ten Commandments. And so this, this meeting place of God where there's glory, where uh, the, the holiness um, reveals almost instantaneously our failure, and also the need for a substitute, a, a, a Messiah who would come and, and uh, keep God's law. So that's one place I think that we see it. Um, and then as Israel is, is on the move and as Israel is getting more, more stabilized, we see tabernacle and temple. Zach, you want to talk about more of, of those things? Sure. I think it's important to note that when we think about Sinai as this mountain where Moses ascended to meet with God, and then the elders went up with him, but they couldn't go quite as far as Moses was allowed to go. There is this hint that God was establishing communion with himself again upon the mountaintop, and that God was bringing his people in that direction. But we need to recognize that, that Sinai 
while that was this miraculous event, that it was not really left there at Sinai. Because then what God did at Sinai was to instruct his people then to establish a tabernacle. And that tabernacle was, you know, as it were, a mountain. Uh, it was the, the holy presence of God, that same fire and smoke came down and in a sense was like funneled into the Holy of Holies that then went with Israel. And it's sort of like Israel then took Sinai and more importantly, the God of Sinai with them as they went marching through the wilderness. And so then as the priest, uh, which was established at Sinai, the priesthood of Aaron, as, as, that, as they began to conduct their affairs, it was as if they were ascending the mountain to offer up sacrifices to the Lord to, again, uh, reinstitute communion with God upon a mountaintop. The tabernacle, as it moves forward from Sinai into the land of Canaan, uh, then gave way to the temple of Solomon, back to that same mountain that I mentioned earlier where, they, uh, where Abraham uh, almost offered up Isaac. Uh, that same mountain became the mountain in uh, Jerusalem, Moriah, where Solomon then established the uh, temple of God, uh, which they called Zion. And so Sinai really came with them and then gave way to Zion in the middle of uh, Jerusalem as once again that symbolism of the mountaintop where sacrifices are offered up, a priesthood is instated, a king is reigning. It was a picture a harkening back to Eden, but it was also a picture of something much greater to come in the future. This mountaintop ascent, this communion with God, where heaven uh, met earth, not just in Sinai, not just in Zion, but would one day be fulfilled in our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Brandon, would you maybe uh, bring us home here, take us to the ascension of Jesus, and then what we find in the book of Revelation, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. So, um, like you mentioned, um, Jesus is bringing us not back to the garden. Um, we're not going back to Eden. We're going to what Eden pointed to to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so as, as Christ ascends, you know, th there he is, uh, resurrected, uh, fully God, fully man, going into the Holy of Holies, going into the temple, going into the, the heavenly temple, um, going into that place promised, held out to Adam. And what's interesting is Jesus is the second Adam. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the first Adam could have brought humanity um, um, to, the, to the heavenly temple, to, to, to God, to that, um, that heightened communion bond. And he failed. And so um, Christ, um, Christ accomplishes the creational goal through a redemptive means, mm -hmm. by keeping the law perfectly, by dying as a sacrifice for sin. He uh, is resurrected and he ascends, bringing us, bringing all of, all of those who are with him, uh, eventually to, to, where, to where he is in, in paradise, in the heavenly Jerusalem that will one day come, uh, come down. And he will establish the new heavens and the new earth where only righteousness dwells. And again, this was something held out to Adam, uh, but it's now being accomplished through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12 speaks about this. Uh, we, we have ascended to Mount Zion, 
Um, we are uh, we're, we're the we're the angels and the archangels, and um, that is where that is where we are. And if we're in Christ, we are there in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Paul speaks about how we are seated with Christ even now in the heavenly places, and when Christ comes back, He will bring us there. Um, eventually, body, body and soul, as he, uh, as we are resurrected, as we have glorified bodies, as we are ushered into his presence. Anything else you want to kind of flesh out with that? I think just maybe uh, to encourage our listeners, if you're in the Cincinnati area, to join us. When we think about celebrating the ascension of Jesus, we are thinking about the realization of what we were created for. Mm-hmm. We were created to commune with God, not merely by faith, but by sight. Right. And what Jesus did there in his humanity is to take our humanity up to the heavenly mountaintop in glory. And there in his humanity, our humanity is communing with God face to face. And so that is then the first fruits of what's, uh, we, what's in store for us. And so we celebrate, therefore, on Good Friday, we celebrate the accomplishment of justice, as Brandon mentioned. The second Adam came to absorb the curse of the law, and he came to fulfill the law's positive commands. We see on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, that, that, that the Father was pleased with his obedience and raised him from the dead and granted him life from the pit and so our flesh and blood does not remain in the grave but is raised from it immortal we see with the ascension however the full realization of all these things because it's not like god keeps us at a distance but he welcomes us into his presence that we might then commune with our one true god father son and holy spirit he brings us up the mountain by grace in Christ. And so we see that as Christ ascends, as Christ raises his hands in that benediction posture at the end of Luke, we see that our blessing is then fulfilled and completed with the ascension of our second Adam, our high priest, our king, who brings all these things to full realization. And so I would urge you, to join us to celebrate the ascension of Jesus Christ, to worship our God in all festivity, to know to know even more deeply that our salvation is by grace uh, through faith in Christ. And so, do join us on Thursday, uh, May twenty sixth, at uh, six p.m. for our Ascension Day service. We would love to have you there, and uh, to help even give you a greater appreciation for just how uh, good and what good news uh, the ascension of Jesus Christ uh, truly is. Yeah, I was going to add uh, too, you know, as in our, it's, it's so easy to kind of like forget or just not even pay attention to in our church context of the ascension day or the ascension of Christ. But it's also interesting how how important even the, even scripture speaks about the ascension, even Christ as he's here. Um, all of the various things that, that were even associated with him ascending to heaven, where he speaks about, I have to go in order to, to send the help or to send the Holy Spirit. And we see uh, that, uh, that great imperative of he, he needed to, to go um, uh, to heaven so he could send the helper, send the Holy Spirit. But also, not only sending the Holy Spirit, but he's there interceding. And the intercession of Christ is so vital for, for our salvation. 
our continual walk daily with um, with Christ. And I think we, 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 we rightly focus on the, the cross of Christ, and we rightly focus on the resurrection of Christ, but the ascension and the continued intercession at the right hand of the Father, that is so important for just our daily life, salvation, our walk with, with, uh, with Christ, our walk in this world, our, our strength as Christ is praying for us even now at the Father's right hand. I mean, all of that is so important and so tied up with uh, why Jesus was, was eager to ascend back to the Father, not only to be received back into that glory that he left, but, uh, but the work, the continued work that he was going to do even as he ascended. And then also that hope that we have of one day, too, uh, being with Christ, uh, body and soul, in the new heavens and new earth. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just interesting how culturally we've kind of almost, you know, we've forgotten a bit about, uh, you know, the importance of, of Ascension and the uh, Ascension Day, but uh, how, how vital it is in Scripture. That's really great. Thanks, Brandon. We hope that's been helpful for you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Sensory Reform Podcast. Uh, check out our other episodes at cincyreformed.org. We're sponsored by Westside Reformed Church, uh, westsidereformed.org. Hope that you check us out someday. Hope to meet you face-to-face. But until then, we'll see you next time on the Sensory Reformed Podcast. Bye-bye.